All right, welcome down to North Star Community. I am Scott, one of the co-pastors. I am Teresa, the other co-pastor. Um, we are doing, for us, this is our second podcast today. So you know what that means, this is a happy day for me. <laughs> we are um, getting caught up because we did a little bit of slacking last week, and that means that who knows what the energy level will be on this one after we just did an hour roughly of another podcast i have plenty of energy now i don't know about you all right good well you can do all the talking i'm just gonna sit here and zone out and um play golf games on my phone you are not no i'm not so this past weekend uh if you are one of those people who needs to know the date it was like april 28th april 27th and 8th um and we talked about you did a little bit different different message for you you said at the beginning you did the same thing i did the week before which probably is kind of funny yeah uh, i'm just gonna read something to you basically yeah well i didn't say that i said i did that's what you said i said i am gonna talk and that's code for shut up don't don't <laughs> don't ask any questions or tell me something different i'm not open to anything like i'm that not right open now. to feedback and i'm telling you right now yeah yeah i just sort of this is you know this doesn't happen but a couple of times a year for me um on a good year but i just had something i had to get off my chest and it seemed really important and it was very particular what I wanted to say, and so I just said it. Well, it's funny that you say you had something to get off your chest because, and you can tell me whether or not this is an, oops, sorry, everybody, I just made some noise. You can tell me if this is what you intended or not, but the way I interpreted your message was that um, substance use disorder doesn't have to define us for our entire lives. There's hope for the future. Um, you did it using a, a specific example, which I won't take from you. You can unpack that um, yourself. But I mean, is that, you know, it's funny that you say this is something I have to get off my chest because you say that like it like it was going to be a rant. But I didn't interpret, I didn't receive it as a rant. I interpreted it as don't sell yourself short just because you've had a difficult life up until now. Well, I really hope that was what everybody else took away from it, too, because that really was my intention. But I feel like we have a high shame factor in our community. Very and, high. Um, so I'm always scared when I come in and I want to be the only voice in the room. That's really not my favorite way to do it, and I'm always afraid I'm going to be misinterpreted. I call it coming in hot. Yeah, I did kind of, I mean, I I did feel a little bit like a televangelist, you know, like, um, you know, that I had something to say and I really wanted to say it. And that, that always makes me pretty nervous because there's so much wisdom in the room that um, this is really not my preferred way, but there's sometimes where I just feel like I have to do it. And this was one of them. Okay. All right, so, well, where would you like to start? I think I'd like to start with the story that I started with with the message. Okay. Um, 
So let me let me let me say something. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to start there, I'm going to start somewhere else. No, I'm kidding. Well, I, I so something happened Friday night um, that. Um, so triggered, Friday, triggered an age-old question. So why don't you tell them what we did Friday night? Friday night was our annual Rams and Recovery graduation event. So what that means is, because I got a surprising amount of questions on this. So Rams and Recovery is the VCU Student Recovery Organization. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and just before graduation time each year, they celebrate the students who participate in the recovery program who are graduating um, from VCU, either undergrad, master's, or PhD programs. Right. Now, the way this works, in case uh, you're thinking about attending or whatever, you are not kicked out of Rams and Recovery when you graduate. You are not graduating from Rams and Recovery. They are graduating from school, and we are celebrating their graduation from school as sober people. Yes. Okay, so I want people to be very clear. And some of them are leaving and moving on, and that's part of the celebration is a lot of times people are getting jobs and then leaving the area. But if you're considering being a part of Rams in Recovery and you've already graduated college or you're graduating soon or something like that, that's not going to disqualify you. There's no there's no graduating from the program. You can go as, as long as you please. So I just want to be very yeah. clear for, uh, on that in case anybody listening – is uh, is is interested in attending their meetings? You're not going to be kicked out. And losing your sobriety doesn't get you kicked out of ramps and recovery. No, either. no, certainly not. No, so it's a community, and and it's just a beautiful community, and we love it. And North Star Community tries to support it. And one of the things that we do is we participate in this party and serve them dinner and decorate and just really have a grand old time. Um. So uh, as per usual with these events, uh, it's usually raining, <laughs> and that usually matters because we've got to haul a bunch of stuff in, and so uh, you got pretty wet doing that while I sat in the car and watched you do all the hard work. Uh, but we had a lot of help this year, and so when we got there, I was sort of standing next to the door, and a couple came in, and I noticed them right off the bat uh, because they were there early, and I just went over and greeted them and said, hey, you know, not that I was the official greeter or anything, but introduced myself. It turns out that she uh, reads our blog post. Cool. And so we felt like we knew each other immediately. And so I said, well, I'm really glad you're here, you know. And she said, well, I want to tell you why I'm here. And she said, my husband and I are here because we lost our 26-year-old son two days out of treatment um, in 2014. So that was five years ago. And coming here really brings us a lot of joy. And... That immediately had my full undivided attention because what I realized is they are coming to celebrate other people's children's graduation in recovery and accomplishing getting their degree. Right. And I would have thought that might have been super painful for them, you know, and and I think that there was some bittersweet to the 
to the moment. But what I heard loud and clear was this is a spirit of people who are so awesome that they do not allow their own suffering to hold them back from celebrating other people's joy. And I just I just thought that was amazing. Yeah. And it raised a question that is constantly on my mind, which is how does this happen? How does how does what happen exactly? How does this kind of life-giving um beautiful rising above death into life, you know, sort of part two of your rising and dying story. How do parents pick themselves up from this great suffering and continue to celebrate other people? Yeah, because they're what they're doing is a lot of times what happens for us when we have deep pain in a certain area is you have to learn how to show up for people in a different area. Right. Right. It's like this area is too painful. Right. So where I'm going to contribute, where I'm going to give back, where I'm going to serve is going to be somewhere else. And my pain may define my service, but it's going to be a looser connection. Whereas they're saying this is our biggest pain and we are going to show up to be supportive for people who have a similar pain that didn't go to the depths uh, that theirs did. Right. So it was amazing. And in further discussion with them, in order to get to this particular location, they actually had to drive by the location where their son died of an overdose. Yeah. And, I, you know, I I had spoken to somebody who'd also lost a child um, to substance use uh, sometime within the last month or so. And um, it was a while ago, and they were kind of indicating to me that even though it had been 10 plus years, they were just now getting to the point where um, where they were really feeling like like they could grieve it, you know, like that they could right. focus on it enough to, to grieve the loss and that they kind of had to, um, the question I asked was, do you feel like you have to sort of dip your toe into the grief, into the waters of grief? And um, they said, yes. You know, like I can't, like it's too much to to dive into the deep end of it. I have to dip my toe in, walk down the steps, you know, go into the shallow end and and take it a little bit at a time, which I, I think is, is everybody does grief differently. There's no right way. There's no wrong way. But that struck me as very sensible. Yeah. Like it, it made a lot of sense to me. And uh, the couple you're describing, um, it's very impressive but it's like it doesn't actually it doesn't it's hard it it it's it's so impressive that it's hard to compute. Yes. Like it like like I'm like how do you do something how how do you show up that's so significant that they're able to show up in that way with that pain with that grief to see all of these other parents whose kids have have gone the other way. And now are graduating and, and transitioning into into a life not defined by their substance use, where their kid never got out of it fully. 
and I, I just can't fat. I, I just like the, the fortitude, you know, the, the, yeah. whatever it is, what, I don't know what it is, but whatever it is they have, I, it does not, I don't have it. I'm not that strong. Uh, I don't think. And, um, so it's an, that's, it's an amazing story because of, uh, you know, what's required, uh, to do that. There were two other parts of the story too, that made it amazing. Part one of the, the, the story was that their son had been in treatment and overdosed and died two days after getting out of treatment. But he had to get out of treatment because he turned 26 in treatment, and they that takes him off his father's insurance. And even though they had worked to get gap coverage, they still... Um, said he couldn't stay in the treatment facility, even though they had the insurance that just the transition was was uh, not something the treatment facility was able to manage. And so, you know, my gosh, the potential for bitterness, right? Yeah, it's just it's just like one of those worst case scenarios. Worst I mean, case our, scenario. Our, Horrible. Yeah, not to go on a rant about healthcare, right? But, but I mean, it's just the worst version of a of a bad thing. And then here's the other part of the story. Both spouses are not necessarily on the same page. Like this was a very this this is very soul filling for one of them, but the other one said to me, I don't I don't get the same thing out of these kinds of events that my spouse does, but what I love is supporting my spouse. Mhm. And I'm just like the honesty um, the courage, um, these people are filled with a sense of direction that is able to handle both suffering and celebrating simultaneously. And they're, they're kind of heroes to me. Yep. And then there was another example later on that night with a young woman who is in recovery um, who's graduating with her PhD, and her story was so amazing to me because she's been in this very, very difficult program, and she's clearly a very bright young woman and has already done amazing things in her field. And yet it is very obvious from the the way people honored her that she took her recovery and her service work at Rams in Recovery as seriously as she took her PhD work. And I thought that was amazing. Yep. So so how do people uh, stay so purposeful um, and uh, have such a sense of direction about their lives? And I just caught a glimpse of it that night. I, I saw it. And... Um, um, and then the more I thought about it, the more I thought, this is, this is true. This is true for everybody I know who rises above, um, the odds. They do hard things. Yep. They do hard things. And I think that this is, um, something that we don't talk enough about. 
uh, I think that it would be so. And what you mean by that is they push themselves. Yeah. Right. Which I think is um, a concept that, um, you know, the people who usually say that you have to push yourself are like the no pain, no gain people. Right. Which is like the, you know, the mentality there is generally like you have to punish yourself. Yeah. In order to get a good outcome in life. And that's not a good way of talking about it. No. And then the uh, and then there's a reaction against that, which is like, don't do anything hard, you know, just do just just be comfortable. Right. And that's we know that's not particularly a useful way of looking at life either, because it's not going to open up any of these opportunities, you know, like like what we see with these people. And so I think, you know, doing hard things is such an important message, but such an important one that it's like you can do hard things without punishing and torturing yourself. Right. Uh, but but being willing to push yourself in order to engage in um, the most meaningful, um, you know, sometimes engaging the depths of your life. And I mean that like depths is in like the depths of your, your mourning and your grief. Engaging in that can be some of the most meaningful work uh, that we do. Now, I mean, proceed with caution. Right. right. But I mean, I think pushing yourself to engage in those areas uh, as that family did and as as all of the students did. Um, well, if I had just stopped with the first volley of conversations, which was, this brings me great joy, mm-hmm. I would have only heard the very tip of the iceberg of the story. But because I'm a curious sort and you mean, because they're open. What, who, uh, what exactly are you talking about? I'm lost. So if if First when they came up and they were when they when they were telling me their story, you're talking about the family, the family, and yeah. when when the wife in particular said, "Coming to this event brings us great joy and it encourages us because this is a moment where we can celebrate other people's children who are in recovery and are living their dream. They're they're graduating from school. So what I would say is the and then I heard about the sorrow. I heard about right. uh, the the richness of it. And so the people who say no pain, no gain, what I hear is um, don't be a sissy britches. Do things even when it hurts. Right. But what I took away from the story of these three people that I am particularly thinking about from Friday night, but also all the people that were there, is do hard things from a place of direction and a sense of purpose. Yep. And that is a huge difference. Um, And sometimes those things are painful, and sometimes those things are joyful. Um, but those, they, it will be hard to do. So if if I had just heard that first sentence, I would have thought, how cool is that? But standing there and having more conversation while you were bringing in 100 bags of ice and food and everything led me to understand that this was a hard thing that they were doing and it was much more complicated than that. And that invites me 
to realize that in this doing of hard things from a sense of purpose and with direction, something changes, that they're, they're doing actually changes their feelings and their beliefs and their attitudes and actually creates an environment where recovery can not only survive suffering, but it can thrive in the midst of it. Yeah. And I thought that was incredible. And and I thought the the young men and women who were graduating also were evidence of that. They are they are thriving in their recovery and they are doing hard things. Yes, yes. And I thought each of each of their stories uh you know, highlighted uh that point in in a little bit uh and you know, each each of their stories highlighted that point, and and each each one has a unique bent to it because they were they were all different. Uh, but um, ultimately, they, as you said, they're all doing hard things. I know, I just didn't add anything to the conversation there at all, but I just wanted to make it make it clear that each of those students is doing the hard work. Oh, and, absolutely. And uh, we we were really impressed with with each and every one of them, and each and every one of the presenters, you know, who's also in the program. Yes. Um, and the program itself, which yeah. is which is world class. Yeah. Um, and, you know, um, I think it's an important reminder and maybe one of my favorite events of the year for me personally, because when you're in the trenches, sometimes you spend more time thinking about addiction than you do recovery. Um, and... So when we hear re, when we're, we're we, you and I always try to keep up on the research and the statistics and um, and then we often get called in for the crises where somebody's slacking off or self sabotaging um, or generally in a state of confusion. Um, but what I came away with was a great testament to the fact that recovery works. And that it is such a testimony um, to the presence of God and the kingdom of God alive and well in our world today. Um, so I just loved it. Yeah. And, you know, it's like in that, in that one couple's story, you know, their, their child's substance use was the end of his story. Right. Um, and it didn't have to be the case. Right. Um, well, what I mean is, you know, we saw testament to the fact that for a lot of people, you know, substance use could have been the end of their story and it wasn't. And not only in recovery is also not getting sober is not the end of their story either. Right. You know, they now have these stories that go on from here and there's they have just as much hope and potential as the next person. Right. You know, and I think so much of that, you know, I think a lot of people, a lot of people that we see on Sunday mornings are kind of hopeless because it's like, I get sober, even if I get sober, then what? Yeah. And there, there's, I've already ruined everything. And right. so therefore there is not much hope for me, even if I'm, you know, they, they know perhaps that being sober is better than not being sober and that they'll continue living where, where they otherwise might not. But then what, you know, yeah. and I think that these stories are, are testaments to the fact that, you know, you don't have to get a PhD. I mean, it's impressive that somebody gets a PhD, whether they're sober or not sober. Right. But, you know, there there's 
hope for a meaningful, full life, no matter what it's filled with, you know, no matter what your career is and no matter what your path is, you know, your substance use doesn't have to define the whole rest of your life. It doesn't have to be the end of your story and the recovery. You know, it doesn't mean that you're going to have a middling life, you know, just because, just because you spent a lot of time using substances, there can be a rich, meaningful life. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it could be defined by any number of things from that point on. Well, and let's not forget that um, um, th- those are those those are headline making stories. But equally impressive to us is a story of somebody who is in our community who showed up to volunteer, um, and their presence really mattered. Yeah. Right, and they're doing really well in their recovery. And we wouldn't have been able to celebrate. They, they would have still celebrated, but maybe the celebration wouldn't have happened in the way it happened if there weren't the awesome volunteers who were willing to give money and time and effort to making sure that, that these, these folks were honored. Yep. So, you know... Th- I was just so incredibly encouraged and inspired to speak into the value of doing hard things from a sense of purpose and direction. And I think, and I, I think really what you're saying, although you can correct me if I'm wrong about this, is... Because I, I, I would guess what's true for each of those people is they did these hard things without knowing what the outcome would be. Oh, for sure. You know, it seems so easy in retrospect to see each of those students who, who now has a positive outcome to say, well, of course you can do hard things if you know you're going to have a positive outcome. But the reality is when they started the path, and this was so many of those students' stories, not just one or, or two, but like at least half of them talked about the fact that I think about half of them were graduating from master's or advanced degree programs. And they said, in my undergrad, when I got sober, there was nothing. Yeah. And I did this on my own. Right. You know, and when they were doing that and they were on their own and they had nobody else and they're trying to get sober and they're in an environment where substance use is so heavy. Right. um, That almost everybody in college would, would, would pass a, a a drug screen for a use disorder. Right. Um, they were saying, you know, they didn't know what the outcome was going to be when they started right. that. You know, they didn't know that they were going to be able to make it, you know, right. that they were going to. And so they did hard things not knowing what the outcome would be. And to me, that is, you know, that's the bingo. Yeah. You know. And I think, you know, I, I sort of concluded the message with a line that went something like this. You know, they did these hard things and I'm, and I want us to all consider doing, following in their footsteps to do hard things that are not natural, that do not sing to our heart, and that do not initially make us feel better. Yeah. Which I think is your point. Yeah. They did the next right thing. They did the next right thing. But when they started, they did not know what the outcome was going to be. Yeah. You just have to commit to the path and pursue it and trust that that the path that, you know, you've interpreted as the right path is going to give you the best possible chance, you yeah. know? I don't know how else to phrase that. Yeah. Well, I just, 
I just, um, in a world that tells you to follow your heart and lean into your feelings and do what makes you happy, these are not the stories of greatness I am seeing. Yeah. I am seeing stories of greatness for people that did not feel like doing things, did them anyway. Yep. And um, made a difference for themselves and for other people. Yep. They, in some ways, accidentally ended up with an abundant life. Yeah. And so I'm kind of sick of everybody saying, follow your heart. <laughs> um, I'm like... I'm kind of harping on that in the devotionals right now. Yeah. We're kind of, we're kind of, uh, we're kind of both on... We're hitting it from all angles. It's really bad for people when you and I are on the same page. It's yeah. just really, got no really... no hope of uh, dissent. Uh, yeah, no voice of, of dissent. But it's just like, no, do do hard things. But do the hard things from a sense of uh, purpose and direction. Yep. You feeling good? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. And you know what? 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 You hear that? I hear music. Ah, that's the music of Blue Dot Sessions. You know that we have to give them uh, uh, a word of thanks because they provide music royalty free. You can find them on the web at sessions.blue if you want to listen to instrumental music or find something for your own podcast. We are North Star Community, and we are found on the web at northstarcommunity.com. You can learn a little bit more about us there. You can also learn uh, about a campaign that we're doing uh, to get local businesses involved in uh, the effort to combat substance use in the Richmond area um, on a website called leadthewayrva.org. The campaign's called Lead the Way, hence the web title. Uh, So we hope you will visit that, learn a little bit more about what we are up to, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us.